When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an epic showdown. We're revealing seven investing mistakes the super rich don't make. Wisdom pulled straight from the pages of the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook. In our second segment, our special guest Rick, creative financing Otten, will show you how he goes against the grain to maintain his millionaire real estate mogul status. And then prepare for a whirlwind of opinions as we dive headfirst into a day filled with diverse and contradicting housing market predictions. Brace yourselves, this episode of the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast will have you on the edge of your seat. Hey, strap in. It's time for the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. We'll be your guides as we navigate the housing market, the landscape of creative financing strategies, and everything you need to swap that office chair for a beach chair. If you're looking for some one-on-one help, meet us at reiace.com. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. In a world where financial success and wealth creation are the ultimate quests, there's a secret society of individuals who have mastered the art of investing. These modern day titans of industry possess the keys to unlock unparalleled prosperity. This isn't your average investment advice. This is the stuff legends are made of. The wisdom gleaned from the minds of the super rich, fused with actionable strategies tailored specifically for future real estate tycoons like yourself. Today, we unveil their closely guarded secrets, revealing the seven investing mistakes that they don't make. Mistakes that could make or break your real estate empire. So brace yourself for the next few minutes. It will be a roller coaster ride of revelation and transformation. Get ready to shatter the shackles of mediocrity and step into the realm of the elite. This is the moment where dreams turn into reality. Be warned. Blink, and you might miss that one golden nugget of wisdom that could be the key to unlocking your own kingdom of wealth. It's the pinnacle of financial enlightenment, where the stakes are high and the rewards are even higher. Are you ready to seize the opportunity, or will you let it slip through your fingertips? Ripped from the pages of the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook, the seven investing mistakes the super rich don't make. Let's go. Mistake number one puts a spotlight on a secret advantage the super rich have called deal flow which gives them access to a wide range of opportunities. With so many opportunities, they benefit from the freedom and the ease to walk away from the negotiating table if they are unable to reach an agreement. And the more deals that they do, the better their decision-making becomes and the less emotional they are about the deals that they make. And that is the mistake of the novice investor, making emotional investment decisions. Aha! Emotions and money don't always mix well, rarely do they. The super rich understand that emotions can lead to impulsive choices, and so they embrace the importance of a logical approach. Now, it's easier said than done as a real estate investor, but it takes less discipline to manage your emotions if you take a lesson from the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook to always be marketing. You see, when you're generating consistent leads, just like the super rich's deal flow, it's easier to walk away from bad deals. And if you'd like a free copy of the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook, I'll make sure you get one in a second. Mistake number two, this is an easy one to make in the fast-paced world of investing, where fortunes rise and fall in the blink of an eye. There's a special secret that super rich and smart people like Warren Buffett always keep in mind. They know that with the money they've invested, patience pays. 
it's actually the magic ticket to becoming forever wealthy. Warren Buffett, he's well known for saying, boring investing is good investing. These words are a testament to the extraordinary value of playing the long game. His success doesn't lie in the allure of quick wins, but in the steady, unwavering commitment to long-term strategy. Time in the market is the path of the super rich, while the mistake of timing the market has led to many investing bankruptcies. Fix and flipping real estate, it can prove lucrative with the right market conditions, but holding real estate long-term for its appreciation and cash flow, that's produced more millionaires than anything else on the planet. It's right there in the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook. Don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Mistake number three, this is shattered fortunes. I mean, it's a pitfall that separates the stagnant from the prosperous, the hesitant from the fearless. Failing to adapt to changing market conditions can turn your dream life into a nightmare. But fear not, for within this challenge lies the opportunity for growth and success. Imagine channeling Elon Musk's adaptability and forward thinking in the real estate world. You do that by keeping a finger on the pulse of the market, monitor interest rates, housing demands, and the economic indicators. By staying informed, you can adjust your strategies accordingly. The super rich understand the fortunes are not made by standing still. They are made by embracing change and seizing the opportunities that change creates. That's right. Market conditions, they'll always be shifting, but with the right information and strategy, investing profits can be yours, even in the most challenging of times. Mistake number four, this is whispered through generations. It's a cautionary tale of vulnerability and risk. And in the realm of real estate investing, this mistake continues to haunt the dreams of many. Picture this, a hopeful investor enticed by the promise of a single golden opportunity. They pour their heart, their savings, and their dreams into a solitary venture, believing that it holds the key to their future prosperity. It's the allure of simplicity, the temptation of chasing one shining star. And within this allure lies a profound danger, a mistake that the super rich have learned to avoid, putting all your eggs in one basket. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are known for their diversified ventures. Similarly, the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook has a dedicated chapter to the importance of diversification. It explores different types of properties, geographical locations, and investment strategies, all components of a well-diversified real estate portfolio. By spreading your eggs across multiple baskets, you've got some protection from the unexpected. It's like a safety net that protects you from total wipeout. That's how you win at this game, not by taking a wild guess, but by being smart and covering all your bases. Now, mistake number five, it may seem on the surface to contradict mistake number four, but it is distinct. It's the allure of limitless possibilities, the temptation to seize every opportunity that comes your way. It's like when you hear that little voice saying, more is better. You can do it. Go for it. Well, hold on. That voice can be a trap and lead you to a grave mistake. The mistake of spreading yourself too thin. Success as an investor, it often boils down to making a few right calls with significant upside. The super rich, they know this. Instead of spreading their funds across a hundred different stocks, they carefully select a handful of diversified investments. By focusing on a select few, they increase their chances of substantial gains. Warren Buffett has famously said, wide diversification is only required when investors don't understand what they are doing. The more you know, the less you need to diversify. Mistake number six, this is an easy one to make when we live in a world driven by trends and influencers. It's a perilous mistake, one that has led many astray in their real estate investing. Newbie investors, they rush blindly flocking towards what seemed to be the surefire path to riches. 
But the super rich, they blaze their own trails, charting courses that often defy conventional wisdom. They don't seek comfort in the familiar or safety in numbers. They do not make the mistake of following the crowd. The super rich have a different network and level of control over outcomes. They invest in businesses within their network, knowing the value of reputation and relationships. Buffett's quote, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful, has almost become cliche to the point it's disregarded, meaning people agree with his statement, but it doesn't inspire them into action. What Buffett is telling those that want to join the super rich is to avoid getting caught up in the herd mentality and instead take advantage of opportunities when others are panicking or selling due to fear. I mean, as real estate investors, the hindsight, it's crystal clear. I mean, name one real estate investor that isn't kicking themselves for not buying more during the last market downturn. By maintaining a level-headed approach and having the courage to go against the crowd, undervalued investments are everywhere in down markets, just waiting for you to capitalize on them for long-term success. Conversely, overvalued investments are ripe for the picking in up markets waiting for you to go bust. The Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook, it's gonna help you with this. And I'm gonna give you a copy right after we cover mistake number seven, because it's a grave one that can lead even the most seasoned investors down the wrong path. I mean, we see self-assured investors in our social media feeds daily, don't we? Basking in the glow of their triumphs, convinced that their knowledge is the pinnacle of expertise. They rest on their laurels, oblivious to the dynamic nature of the real estate landscape. But within this complacency lies a fatal flaw, a mistake that our super rich mentors, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, and Jeff Bezos have recognized and fixed. Wow. They understand knowledge is power. They recognize that the market is a fickle beast, constantly shifting and evolving, just waiting to kick you in the teeth at its first opportunity. They don't make mistake number seven, neglecting ongoing education. They devote themselves to the relentless pursuit of knowledge as a cornerstone of their success. They stay updated with industry trends, they attend seminars and conferences, and, and they network with other investors. Precisely like it reads in the Real Estate Millionaire's Playbook, it's an essential ingredient for success. And get your free copy at realestatemillionaireplaybook.com. It's free, no strings attached. We'll be back with more right after this. Are you frustrated with high interest rates? Are you struggling to find a rental property right now that will cash flow? Prepare to unlock the secret to cash flowing rental property in 2023. Cashflow Savvy's Property Tour is making its next stop in Indianapolis, Indiana to unveil some game-changing opportunities for passive income investors. If you like the idea of reduced interest rates, double-digit returns, and expert guidance, then you will probably want to join us on August 4th and 5th in Indianapolis where Mercedes Torres will guide you through an exclusive property tour to explore a variety of properties handpicked for their potential to generate consistent passive income. Mercedes will walk you through each property, highlighting its unique features and investment potential. Additionally, you'll have the chance to network with like-minded individuals and gain valuable knowledge from industry leaders. Mark your calendar for August 4th and 5th and join us for this exciting event. Don't miss out on this opportunity to discover economy-defying prospects for passive income investments. RSVP now to secure your spot. Get the details and register at CashflowSavvy.com and click Property Tour in the navigation for the details. CashflowSavvy.com Hope is not a financial strategy. Let's get back to work. 
then I'm not gonna push crap uphill with a rubber fork. If you are hearing too many no's from sellers, and if you get stuck every time a seller says, I wanna think about it, if you struggle getting a second meeting with the seller, if you keep getting stopped every time you suggest something even remotely creative to a seller, I'm gonna clear up so much of that for you and more with a little help from the person that taught so much of it to me. You're gonna learn how to structure your sentences so sellers can't say no. His secret strategy for being the second smartest person in the room. How he he doesn't follow up with sellers, they follow up with him. The only place to present your offer to the seller, and it's not the kitchen table. And so much more, including countless tips to get the sellers to sign the contract and have them stick to it all the way through to close. And he's got a crazy approach to negotiating that you've never seen before. And we're going to decode his weird little strategies for creating a climate of trust. And more importantly, how you can implement these simple and strange techniques into your own business so that properties almost buy and sell themselves. That's Let's dive into the art of influence and negotiation, making you irresistible to sellers and your deals irresistible to buyers. So grab a pen, grab some paper, keep your finger on the pause button because you're going to want to write some of this down. So we talk a lot here on the show on lead generation and marketing. We talk yeah. a lot about what that first phone call sounds like, but then that's where we're going to talk about today is kind of where we, that, that transition, right? Yeah. So let's just dive right into it and get into the meat and potatoes. So when you get a call or we have that first conversation with a seller, kind of walk through that part of what you're thinking about. Okay. First of all, when I'm talking to a seller, I'm going to try to find out like everybody else, is he a guy that needs to sell or if he wants to sell? Remember, if he needs to sell, he'll make me rich. If he wants to sell, he'll make me old. And only time will make people go from a want to a need. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Then I'm going to find out what does his Taj Mahal look like? Where does he want to go? What does his future look like? The question I'll always use is, let me ask you something, sir. In two years' time, just suppose, like, where would you like to see yourself? When he starts telling me where he wants to go and how he wants to get there, I will implant him there with questions that merge him into his future, right? Because once his imagination merges into that future, now this house is a problem he wants to get out of it. Okay. So now he's told me he wants the three-bedroom, four-bedroom place up the road and where, where, because his family's growing. Of course, I'm going to understand that because my family's growing too. And it's kind of like, let's see how fast we can get you there. Now, how fast in a perfect world would you like to see this house sold? He's going to say tomorrow. And I say, I tell you what, let's just move things along pretty quick. I'm at the coffee shop. Let me tell where I am. I'm at 4615 Jones Street, blah, 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 blah. Let's slip in here at 1115 today. Probably I'll, I might be a bit busy then, maybe 11, 10, something like that. I usually get an odd time. Let's see if we can't put something together and if I can buy this house. Let's get you out of it. Let's get me into it. He'll usually say, well, hang on. Don't you want to see my house first? I said, tell you what, give me the address. I'm going to look it up on the computer right now. I normally tap on the desk and then I explain to him the technology that is in the world today because most people do not understand. And I say, sir, I could use map satellite, Google satellite, street view, this view, that view, and everything else. And fantastic. Oh my God, your house looks fantastic. Let me ask you something, sir. Is the inside look as beautiful as the outside? And if you had to sum it up in one sentence, would you say it's in good, average or in need of repair? He'll pick one of the three. Always give people three to pick. Fantastic. Get up here and let's see if I can make that work for you. He said, you want to see it? I said, let me ask you something, sir. Why don't we decide if I can buy it first? Because unless you move it, I can always come and see it later. And, uh, and that's basically it. You come into the coffee shop. I don't go and see the house. And he might say, don't you want to see my house? I said, let me ask you something. It's got a two-car garage, three bedrooms, kitchen out the back, couple of living rooms, central heat in there, the backyard for the dog. Yep. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you something. The only thing that's stopping you from getting the money to this house right now is the fact that I'm in the coffee shop and you're not. And I'm pretty much like that because this is a very important bit. 
if I go to see that seller's house, he has expended no life energy in this negotiation. He will not do what I want to do. If he comes to the coffee shop, and this is what most people don't get, Matt, he's going to put out energy. Does that make sense? Yep. Once the guy puts out energy, he's going to want to return on that energy. And when I get into a coffee shop, it doesn't matter what's coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to get a better shot at buying that house than if I went to his house and sat on his sofa. How long have you been doing it that way? 30 years, but I could change it tomorrow. <laughs> when did you notice uh, that, that that was more effective or when did that become part of your strategy? Look, the kicker was in Greece in 2016 and I had one of my students there with me and I said, I don't even know Athens. I'm sitting in a coffee shop in Athens and people would ring and I was ringing up and I said, listen, I don't know how Athens works, but if you know where this coffee shop is, let's come along and let's see if I can get you out of this house that you no longer love. We did seven in one day and that's the moment. Now, that was a long day. But that was the most transactions I did in one day. And all this stuff, once you own it and people see that you own your subject matter and this is how it's going to work, people just get in their car and come. If they don't want to sell the house, oh, okay, I'm not your guy. And I do tell people I'm not your guy, but if you want to sell it today, the money's here in the coffee shop. I can see it later. And uh, based on what you've told me today, let me ask you something. So you told me the house was in average condition. Is that correct? Fantastic. So then we kind of know what it looks like, right? I listen to the way you talk and it was one of the very first things that I was really attracted to. Just the way you word things, the way you structure your sentences. I don't know if that's natural or is that intentional. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I learned this over 40 years and I'm going to tell people something that's about the, your head, okay? Your head's made up a whole bunch of little sections. I'm not going to get too confusing about it, but different components of information go into different parts of the brain, right? You know, worry, stress, uh, scripts, passion, all this sort of stuff. Now. I also know that in our brain, we have a thing called a Dulles switch, which is always switched to no. So I will change, I change structures of senses. For instance, if I say, will you do something? Your brain is defaulted to no. You can't change it. We are animals. We default to no, fight and fright. So I won't ask you the question, can you do this? I'll ask you a different question. I'll say, hey, Matt, just suppose we had to do this. How would you make it happen? Once I've done that, I've instructed your brain not to go to reptilian brain part. I've told you to go to frontal lobe. Frontal lobe does not have no in it. It's a section of your brain, the front, that the word no does not exist. You have to find a way to make this thing work because it holds creative thought, inclination, and future thinking, right? I kind of structure sentences so they go to particular sections of the brain because I know what's in the particular section of the brain and what sort of response I'll get. Mm -hmm. But as we talk today, and I'll pull myself up on it, when I do this, I'm going to show you how I've structured the sentence and why. And people will eventually kind of get it. Very good. I was going to ask you next, so like, is there a formula to it or do you just have to think through each one of them? Uh, there's a formula. There's a couple of basic formulas and here they are. Um, I very, very rarely say anything to anybody. I only ask questions. It's the hardest thing I had to learn when I was 19 and 20. And I think it's the reason why I've only ever had three fights with my wife in 30 years because I've never told her to do anything. I just ask a question. When, because here's the thing, people are cynical. We have what's called the inner cynic. We get it from the time we're seven. We're cynical about anything we're told. So anything I try to tell you, you'll only believe 5% and you're cynical 95%. Anything you believe, you will own it and believe it 100%. Because of what comes out of more, your mouth, you believe 100%. What comes out of my mouth, you believe 5%. Therefore, it's more important you do the talking. Does that make sense? 100%. Yep. So I buy something. So instead of me saying to you, can I buy your house at a discount? I'd say, hey, Matt, let me ask you something. Why do you think it's important that you sell me your house at a discount? So everything always gets framed. It's a bit of an art, but everything gets framed as a question. And this is the bit that people will understand. 
Think of other times you tried to do a property deal and the person said, I want to think about it. The only reason they say they want to think about it is you did all the talking and telling them what to do. But if you ask them questions and they told you what they want to do and you ask leading questions, people will never sell you that they want to think about a thought process that they just come up with. So let me tell you, if I can give you people right now some very black and white things, and I'll tell you exactly what I say when I walk into a person's house, word by word, as to how I get the house deals, right? First of all, I don't go to houses. The guy comes to the coffee shop, he only gets 20 minutes. It's long enough for me to sit and sort and decide if he's a real player or not a real player. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't have to complete the transaction yet. If I ever go to this person's house, the question is, let me ask you something, sir, why did you want to see me here today? I never tell the person why I'm there. So they tell me why I'm there today, which is, where are you? You, well, what you to buy my house? Let me ask you something. You've been trying to sell it? Yeah, how's that been working out for you so far? Now, you know it hasn't been working out so good, I wouldn't have called you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they say, well, it hasn't been working out. Okay, next question. How much time have we got in order to put this together tonight before someone has to go somewhere? Because I don't want to get cut off halfway through a transaction. You understand? Mm-hmm. If the time is too short and he says, well, why do I have to leave in 20 minutes or I have to leave in 30 minutes or something? I'll say, time out. We cannot complete this tonight. All we're going to get through tonight is we can discuss some concepts. And if you like those concepts, let's time out. We'll reschedule for the detail later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Always break a meeting in tight too when you haven't got time and never give the people a goal until the second meeting. Otherwise, they'll never have the second meeting. Thing is, so we know what they want to achieve. They know why it hasn't been working so far. I'll say, how long we got? Who else needs to be here in order for this to happen tonight? Do you understand? Yeah. And that's basically my questions. Who needs to be here? How long have we got? What have you tried so far? And sometimes I might say, let me ask you something. It sounds to me like you've had three different agents. Three different agents have tried to sell a house for cash and it hasn't worked. Is that right? They go, yeah. Let me ask you something. The time that I'm here tonight, is it more important that I talk to you about stuff which up till now doesn't work? Or are you more open-minded to me talking about other stuff that does? People should write this down because that immediately takes the person from a one-all-cash position to, yes, talk to me something else that does. You with me? Yes. I'm right. so glad I have this recording. I can transcribe it. That's amazing. Yeah. I want you to do that. And it's the same thing because people go, I want all cash. The other agents have been able to sell my house. And I know I'm not going to pay all cash for this house unless I'm getting it very, very cheap. I'm going to want to do some sort of creative transaction. You understand? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, well, let me ask you something. You want me to talk about all that other stuff that doesn't work? Or were you more open to listening about something else that does? And listen to the words I use. Are you more open? No one's going to say they're closed-minded. So no one will ever say no. If someone that's just kind of doing this for the first time and they're kind of afraid of maybe offending the person or doing it wrong, I mean, how would you ask these intimate tech questions without people getting offended? I'm giving it to you right now out of a cannon. Bang, 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 bang. Because I know you're recording it and I know people are listening to it and they want the meat and potatoes. Right. If you actually heard me do it in real life, I'm like Columbo. I'm so lucky back. I'm the second smartest man. I never come across like I'm the most intelligent man. And one of the things we're going to cover is how to be the second most smartest man like Columbo. You know what? I'm just not too smart. And I'm just asking these questions. And sir, let me ask you something. I kind of feel like I need to ask you some questions to get a better understanding of what's going on here. Just like a doctor. Do you yeah. want to ask my questions? Yeah. And if you do it that way and set yourself up as the doctor, everybody will go, absolutely, I'll tell you whatever you want, even who I slept with last week, because you're the doctor and you need to know in order to give you the prescription, the medicine. So it's right. a great structure, but I'm very laid back. I'm very slow. I'm very low key. And people look at me sometimes like I'm not too smart. 
right? <laughs> okay, so let's move into, um, you had this meeting and say they uh, yeah. kind of gave you the thumbs up. They want to have the second meeting. Yeah. How does that, okay. how did that transition go? What does your follow-up look okay. like? Here's the first of all, let's, let's back up. If they say no, they don't want the second meeting. Do you have any follow-up? Are you trying to close every single deal on that very first meeting? And if they don't, no, if not. I don't want a second meeting, then I'm not going to push uh, crap uphill with a rubber fork. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. They don't want a second meeting. I'm okay with that. What I also know is 70% of people will come back. So I'm incredibly nice. So when everybody does not want to do a deal, I always keep that door open and go, John, you know what? I think there's a time where we're all doing different things in our life. And guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about getting you the most money possible for your house. And so I separate the guy from me. And then I say, this is all about the house. And you and I are teaming up to see what we can do to get the most money for your house. And I'm not always the solution. And people patch on the shoulder and they're like, and 70% come back if you leave that door open. Okay. But no far away from you. You just like leave it open and they call you back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll never call people back, but I know about 70% of people call you back. If you basically say, do you know what? Maybe I'm not your guy right now. Cause it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about getting the most money for your house. And then one day they don't, you know, they're not going to get much more money for the house because the agents can't sell it or whatever. Right. Um, when I go to the house, one of the things is, is I set up those questions. And I get the answers to the questions. Okay. Now, I never talk a strategy. Never, ever, ever will you hear me talk any strategy. The strategies are inside my brain and should be inside the brains of the student. I talk about what does the outcome have to look like? So the guy goes, well, you know, I've got to get 30 grand. I've got to be in Louisville by next week. I've got 51,000 on a credit card. I've got this, this, this. So I say, so really what we need is a system by which you can make those credit cards disappear, get to Louisiana. Get to here, get to here, get to here, and blah, 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 Friday week. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So I still haven't talked about the strategy. Now, it might be a lease option. It might be uh, an assumption deal. It might be anything. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. But he's not going to understand the strategy. And what I'll do is I'll say, well, let me ask you something. I will use analogies to explain to the person what I'm going to do. I will never talk about a lease option, but I might, let's say it was, uh, I'm going to use a lease option. Okay. I can't tell the guy I'm going to use a lease option. A, he won't understand it, or B, he's heard bad things about it. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. I'll do it this way. So let me ask you something. So here's what I'm thinking. Do you know how at least your car works? Yeah. Could you explain that process to me? So whatever process I'm going to use to buy this guy's house, I use an analogy to another process and get the man to explain it to me. If he explains it to me, he believes in it, he owns it, and it's his. Does that make sense? Yes. You go, well, why are you leasing the house? Because it's funny you should say that, Richard, I... uh Got my car in the driveway. I said, gee, John, how'd that work? Well, you know, you put some money down to get started and you drive that car around and just make some payments for a few months or maybe for three or four years, whatever, or whatever. And at the end of the day, what's really good about it is if you don't like it, uh, you can give it back. Or if you do like it, um, you can pay some money and keep it. And then I jump in and say, I'm thinking about buying your house the same way. Would that present a problem? Now, there are two things that happen there. One, the process is legitimate. Legal, normal, and he's aware of it. It's the first thing. And the other one I might use, if it's a bank, if I'm doing an installment contract, right, a subject to, and so let me ask you something. Bank loans, how do they work? Well, you go and borrow some money from the bank and pay every month and down the road, you can transfer it, pay it off or anything, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking about buying his house the same way with that work, okay? The other one I use quite often, the guy might say he's a plumber. And he'll say, well, if I told that man 
I want to buy his house with installments. He's going to go, this is illegal. Never heard of it. Let me speak to my lawyer. So I was saying, Matt, what do you do? You're a plumber. Let me ask you something, Matt. You ever did those big corporate plumbing jobs where like you go on site, they give you an upfront payment to get started. You make progress payments along the way. And at the end of the deal, there's a big check for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do that all the time. Think about buying your house the same way. Would that present a problem? Oh, we do it plumbing all the time. Always explain your process in relationship to another process that man has in his life with his sport or his work. Does it make sense? Yes. Listen to the last thing I said. That present a problem. I already told you, you've got the amygdala in that brain right here that's defaulted to no. It thinks no, 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 no. Unless I flick that switch, it defaults to no. Take advantage of it. That present a problem. He'll say, no. But by saying no, he said yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So that's a great one for people to remember. That way, I don't have to try to flip the switch. I just use the switch as default state of no to get the yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've answered the question. Uh, then, okay. So here's the deal. So when we're moving it's, to the second part, right? Yeah. Okay. The second so, so we're thinking, so we're in the second meeting, I'm at the house and I'm always going to be in a particular room. As I've told you when I've done rooms, there are very, very particular rooms in a house. You do not do business and there are rooms that you do do business. Okay. But you only ever do business at a desk. And the reason is it switches people into business mode. People make decisions at a desk, nine or five, not in their fluffy shoe, shoe, shoeies around the lounge room or the living room or in the backyard with a barbecue. So we've got to get our rooms right for people to get in the business mode to make, say yes. The kitchen table constitute a desk? Yeah. At breakfast, sometimes if there's no desk somewhere in that house, like a dining room, you might be forced to do the, uh, the thing in the kitchen, right? The breakfast nook. I don't like kitchens if I can avoid them. I'm always looking for the desk. Everybody's got one somewhere. It's usually got lots of crap on it. Mm-hmm. And you can't take people's stuff off their desk as their own stuff. So I just do the helicopter. I just go over to the desk with the books and do this. And as I'm going to land, I quickly get everything off the desk and I uh, land. <laughs> okay. And then people sit down because they see me sitting down. Does that make sense? Right, Remember, yeah. people will switch into business mode to make decisions at a desk. The kitchen is the friend's room. It's where you want to get to before you get to the business room because they're going to like you. Otherwise, they're not going to do business. Now, how the deals come together is this. Tell me, let me ask you something. In a perfect world, what would you like to see in two years or three years? And what would you say to the house? As we're discussing ideas, and we must get the concept before detail, I must say, here's the concept. Then I go back to you and you said you want to get the credit card paid out. You want to get this. You want to be in Tasmania by that. You want to be this. I'll tell you what. Then I get out the one piece of paper and I say, why don't we do this? Let's write your name on this. Let's buy write my name on this. Let's write the address of what it is. And let's write what it is we want to do. And then we can give it to those solicitor legal people to do all their legal stuff because that's not what we do. But at least they know what to work from and they know what it is we're trying to put together. So suddenly... I've brought in someone else who's the legitimate legal guy that ticks the box, that reduces the anxiety because it's not me trying to put the deal. Mm -hmm. What I will do, I ask the questions that help frame up what goes on that piece of paper. You understand? Mm -hmm. So it might be, let me ask you something. Did you say you got a loan on this house? Yeah. Here's a wit. Uh, ABC bank. Mm. Do you know the loan number? And I'm not the loan lead, but the guy that puts the paper together for us, he might need the loan number. I'll go and get it. Now, it's important that he fills in this piece of paper, Matt, not me. Mm -hmm. If I fill in the piece of paper, I constructed this deal, he will not sign it. He'll want to think about it. If he constructs it, he's thinking about it and processing as he goes through it. Do you understand? 
Yeah. Right? Now, so all the components of the lease option or the installment contract or the 2-1 buy-down or the 10-10 are there. Now, quite often the lawyers will ring me up. They go, Rick, what sort of strategy is this? I go, well, it's a joint venture with this, 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 this. So maybe I might tell the lawyer what the strategy is, Mm -hmm. but the components of that are on the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Do you see? And it's important that there are two pieces of paper done. He does one, I get out a piece of paper and I say, do you know what? Why don't I copy what you're writing? He'll say, good idea. And then I'll write it. And then you've got one for your legal guy and I've got one for my legal guy. I go, yeah. And I write it down. Now, when I sign mine and push it towards him, I don't have to tell him to sign his. Remember, there's two things we will never do. We don't talk to strangers and we don't sign anything. There are two things we were taught when we were little kids. Do you understand? Yeah. So you can't say that. And then um, he writes his name on the piece of paper. I then have a receipt book that I brought at Target for $2 or $3. Never use a brand name or a company name or anything. It's intimidating for people. Mm-hmm. Buy one that says Target receipt book, $2 or something stupid on it, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, John, just remind me, how much is your house? They go, well, it's $100,000. Well, I want you to know that I'm not going to jerk you around or muck you around and I would just feel more comfortable if I knew that you felt comfortable and that you knew I'm a real person. So here's $10. And if you could just, on my little receipt book, write, um, received from Richard, $10, $999 and whatever to go. And just give me a receipt for the $10. The guy will smile and laugh. But the fact that he took my money and the fact that he gave me a receipt for it in his brain, this house is sold. No one will come in later and kill my deal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things I tell my students that's so important because they cannot understand the power of the final $10. I want to sum up this way. When people give you no money, they're going to say to their friends, they're thinking about doing this deal and their friends will kill it. When there's money involved, people say, today we sold our house and people congratulate them, give them champagne. What I want everybody to do is this. On a Saturday, go and see your friend at the dinner party and say, I'm thinking about going to uh, uh, New York next January. You want to come? And they'll go, yeah. Hey, you sure? Yeah, well, we need great. 1,642. Shut up. Every single person will pull out of that deal now that you're asking for money. Does that make sense? So ask the 10 bucks or five bucks because the commitment of the brain moves as the money moves across the table. And the reasons why casinos, and you know this being in Vegas, it uses wooden ships and not coins. They want to keep the emotion out of the room. There's emotion in the room, you won't do the deal. Mm-hmm. So they use wood to take out the emotion. So that's it. I've got a piece of paper. you got a piece of paper. you got your first $10. You're going to tell everybody you've sold your house. You're excited. And we're left to the solicitors to make it all legal. I don't know what the word is, but as you were saying everything, I was like, oh my gosh, I've embraced so much of this. I've learned so much from you. And then uh, you'd say something else. I was like, oh, but I didn't learn that. So this is like, let's get it going. We'll do this again right. and let's transition to what this would look like if we were to do it virtual. Is that okay? Yeah, so next time I have three different ways I do uh, virtual transactions in different parts of the world, and I'll break down each one of the three different types, and then people just pick which one they want to use. Super, super. You know, if you don't want to wait and you'd like to reach out to Rick directly before we release that episode, if they wanted to do that, Rick, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, they can go to rickottenofficial.com or um, just ask rickotten.com, either place. And what they can do is I'll give them a few hours of my time Right. And, uh, what I'll do is, uh, I'm going to charge them for a couple of hours of my time 
Now, if the deal, they want to do a deal with me, or what I usually do is I listen to what people have got. And I usually say, I tell you what, how about I double or triple the profit on it? And if I do that, I don't charge them anything. I'll just take some of the profit that I created. So when I create profit, I don't charge anybody for anything, but it's there. It's teammates. It's just people can team up with me and just go to uh, askrickotton.com, team up with me on a deal you're trying to do. Let's double or triple the profit on it. And then I can give people a slowed down version of what we've been chatting about today. Mainstream media is ripping us apart. This is news to bring us together and make some money in the process. Hello, America. It's a day of diverse and contradicting predictions for the housing market. Barron's reports that the Federal Reserve, in an ongoing bid to stimulate economic activity, is keeping mortgage interest rates low. This is a good thing for potential homeowners. In simple terms, when interest rates are low, borrowing becomes cheaper, which tends to increase the demand for homes. And guess what? More demand generally equals higher house prices. And that's music to the ears of real estate investors and those already owning homes. A classic example of how economics works, isn't it? But here's where the plot thickens. Newsweek asked the big question, will there be a housing market crash? The possibility might send chills down the spines of some, but for others, particularly investors with an appetite for a little risk, this could be an opportunity. You see, a market crash means prices are low, and if they invest at this time, when the market recovers, and it never has not, they stand to profit. Just like the phoenix that rises from the ashes, so does the housing market and potentially the savvy investor's net worth. Yahoo Finance shines a spotlight on the Fed's plans to battle the unacceptably high affordability crisis. High affordability can indeed be a stumbling block for first-time buyers, but remember, Real estate is a diverse field. There are several investment strategies for investors to consider, like rental properties. High property values can translate into higher rent prices, meaning a steady cash flow for property investors. So, while the landscape may seem daunting to some, others might just see a blooming garden of opportunities. Now, over to Fortune.com, where Fannie Mae's outlook suggests a steady increase in home prices for 2023 and 2024. What does this mean, stability? And stability is a good thing in an investment environment. It suggests fewer surprises and more predictability, which is particularly attractive for investors who favor a more conservative approach. It's a bit like knowing the road ahead on a long journey. There may be bumps, but you'll still reach your destination. Next, we turn to Investopedia, where housing market experts are projecting that the latter half of 2023 will mark a pivotal point in the housing sector. Ambiguous? Yes. Exciting? Absolutely. Because change often brings opportunity. Investors who can adapt to market fluctuations are typically those who come out on top. So this is a heads up to all investors out there. Buckle up because the second half of the journey might just be the most exciting. And finally, engulfing news courtesy of The Athletic, we're witnessing an encouraging comeback from Ricky Fowler with his win this weekend at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. The popular golf pro? known for his vibrant attire and charisma, had been grappling with a challenging swing change. However, Fowler has taken the obstacles in stride and is showing an exciting return to form at the Detroit tournament. Displaying a harmonious blend of his old skills with his new techniques, Fowler has held strong amidst a field of formidable competitors. In the unpredictable world of golf, Fowler's resilience shines bright, a testament to his determination and ability to adapt. 
More to come as this uplifting story unfolds. As we close this broadcast, remember to stay positive, stay informed, and stay open to the possibilities. And that's the good news. Until next time, be happy. It's contagious. Spread it far and wide. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.